the study we're in, we've been in, uh, we, we've been doing a study on adulting, is what we called it, or what the, the, the series was called, and it's just about making adult decisions, making right decisions, making wise decisions, and uh, we're going to wrap that up tonight. We've been in 1 Timothy chapter 4, so if you want to go ahead and turn there one last time, we'll, we'll finish up the passage that we've been looking at. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, you know, we've, we've said this over and over and over again. We'll keep saying this because this is the stage of life you're in. You're, you're now adults, some of you more recent than others. Um, but all of us in this room have sole responsibility or co-responsibility, if you're married, of, of the decisions that we make in our lives. Right? We, and with that responsibility comes the outcomes or the consequences, positive or negative, of those decisions. And, and so we're responsible to do those things, to make those decisions. So there are decisions like, you know, what do I do with my free time? Who do I date? Who do I marry? What job do I work? Do I go to school? Do I, do I stick it out if the job is tough? All, all of these types of decisions. Do I pay my bills on time? The answer is yes. You, you ought to do that. That's a good idea. Um, the more often you do that, the better it'll be for you. And so these are all the, the, the responsibility issues that, that are now all on your shoulders. Now, maybe some of you are still at home for a little bit of time, but, but this will be your transition soon. And so we were trying to look at what it is behind the scenes, the thought processes that we, we go through, the things that we believe, the things that we feel. Those are the things that lead us to the decisions that we make. And so we want to believe the right things so that the decisions will be the right decisions to follow. And so that's what our, our series has kind of been about. Um, in recent weeks, we've been looking specifically at the philosophy behind these decisions. And if, if you go along with what your heart says, you're going to end up in one place. If you go along with what the world says, you may end up in the same place your heart says. But it's almost a guarantee that neither of those two are going to end you up where God wants you. Right? That's what the Word of God tells us. The, the world is trying to pull you away from God. Your own heart is, is a liar and a deceiver as well. And so if we want to go and be where God wants us to be, and we've got to get in His Word and follow what He says, and we've got to start thinking the way He thinks so that those decisions follow uh, suit. So if, if, you, if we go the wrong way, we'll end up in the wrong place. So what we've been trying to do is align our thoughts with God's Word first, and, and allow the decisions to follow. So last week, we began looking at how we should be examples in our walk. Uh, our walk and our talk and our love towards others. And those were kind of the external examples that, that are very visible, very easy for other people to see in our lives. The, the, our walk and our talk, the, the talk's obviously the things that we say, the, the walk is the things that we do, and, and our love is an action, right? And, and it's a visible thing that we can show others. And... Uh, it's, it's our responsibility as adults to be good examples to others. And so that's what we got started on. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, should be on the screen. It says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Normally, when, when I think of somebody provoking someone, it's, it's two of my three children. One of those three children provoking one of the other to some sort of battle or some sort of duel, or just they're just scrapping it out, right? That's usually what we think of when we think of provoke. You're provoking me to wrath, 
is, is basically what we think of. But this verse kind of turns that around and says, no, we, we can be the opposite. And we can provoke one another. We can be the examples for one another to do the right things also. And so that's, that is an awesome thing that we don't have to live a reactionary life. We can be on purpose. We can make decisions on purpose for the right purpose. Uh, so let's read uh, verses 6 through 13 again. We, we've been going through this whole thing. We'll, we'll really only be in verse 12 today, but let's, let's build the context a little bit. Again, by reading through it, it says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained, but refuse profane and old wives' fables, and exercise thyself rather unto godliness. For bodily exercise, exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. These things command and teach. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Let's go ahead and pray, and if you grabbed a uh, study sheet, we'll, we'll get filling that out here in a minute. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you for giving us a detailed list of the things that, that we ought to be examples in. And you've even given us uh, a little bit more and, and shown us how to, to be a good example there. And it's not just a list of uh, do's and don'ts. The, this is a hard attitude thing. And so I do pray that you would use your word to correct our hearts, to help us to see clearly, uh, to define, define things the way you define them, so that uh, we can please you and uh, be a great example to others. Uh, Lord, we do desire to pro provoke others to good works and uh, to glorify you. Uh, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so just real quick, the review on the top of your sheet, what we went over last week. It's, Paul says, until I return, give attendance to these three things, to reading, to exhortation, and to, uh, to doctrine. And to give attendance means you show up, right? We just passed the attendance sheet around. You're going to check a box that says you showed up tonight, right? So we're, gonna, we're supposed to show up to reading the Word of God. We're supposed to show up and, and make sure that when we read the Word of God and we're encouraged by it, we take that and we challenge and encourage one another with it. And we're supposed to believe the doctrines that are in, inside of there. We're supposed to, to apply those things to our lives. And so last week we saw the first three words again, the, the external examples is word, conversation, and charity, and that's how we talk, how we walk, and how we care for one another. This week, we're going to look at the, the other three, and they're more internal. Once we get into these words, you'll kind of see this. The, the evidence of these, it, it's there, but for the most part, this is evidence between you and the Lord. Right? He knows you can't fake these things with him. You, you can fake a lot of things, but, but certainly not these things. And so we're going to see those three things. Uh, there's several, several different ways. Um, this first one is in our, in our uh, King James Bible. We see it all over the place. That was another thing I was, I was studying. So it, it's spirit and faith and purity. There's only a few hundred references for each of these. 
maybe not purity, that's, there's not too many there. Uh, the word purity itself is only in the Bible twice, but pure is in there all kinds of times. Purify, purifieth, there, there's tons and tons of references. So just as a disclaimer as we're getting started here, this is not an all-inclusive study of these three terms. This is the best we can do in a, a short amount of time to hopefully help us to understand how we can be examples in these areas. All right, so... Uh, first of all, this, the spirit, this word spirit, there's, there's three main ways you see this word used in the Bible. Um, and I've got those on, on the sheet there. Um, we've got some verses to go through. But, but first and foremost, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. And, and the spirit, what we're going to see, letter A, is that the spirit is what motivates us. Since you can, so you can get your blank. All right, it's what motivates us. But, but there's three ways that we see this. We see the Holy Spirit. We see the spirit that, that lives inside of us, one-third of who we are. We'll see what that means here in a minute. And there's also, like, the spirit or the movement of an age. Right? You've ever heard of the spirit of the day? It's, it's the kind of the general movement uh, of, of a lifetime or of, of a generation. And we'll see some of that in a minute. First and foremost, the Holy Spirit. We see in John 15, 26, it says, But when the Comforter, with a capital C, is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit, with a capital S, the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. All right, and so we know that this Holy Spirit is, is one-third of the Trinity of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is one of the reference or one of the, the ways we see this word used all over the place. 2 Corinthians 3 3 says, For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle or letter, of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And what he's saying there is, you, as an example, you get to be the letter that I send around the world. You get to be the letter that I send to your neighbors. I'm, I'm writing some things. I'm not writing it in stone like I did the Ten Commandments. I'm writing them in your heart. And I'm sending you to other people, and you're going to witness of me and the changes that I can make. God's writing a message, and he's writing it in your life. And so he's using the Holy Spirit to do that. All right, the, the other way that, uh, a second way that the Spirit, this word Spirit is used, it's always with a lowercase, and it's, it's us. It's one-third of who we are. Um, way back in Genesis 1.26, it says, that God made us in his image and his likeness. And we just saw that, that part of his image and part of his likeness was the, the Holy Spirit. The other two parts are the, the, the God the Father, excuse me, and Jesus Christ. We see that spelled out for us in 1 John 5, 7. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, which is Jesus Christ. We see that in John 1, 1, if you want to check that out. And the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Right, so, I don't know if that was me or not. There's only one true God, but he functions in three different ways. He functions as, as three, and we call this the Trinity. And since we're made in his image and likeness, it only makes sense that we are three in one as well. We're a body, a soul, and a spirit. If you don't believe me, that's exactly what Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.23. He says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body, all three of them, be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Right, so we're three in one. We see it also written a different way in Hebrews 4.12. It says, The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, which is our fleshly body, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. All right, so we need the word of God. We, we've been talking about how deceitful our heart is and who can know it. Well, right here we've got the answer. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces in between all of the stuff into our hearts, and it says it is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of our heart. So when we look in the mirror, God actually shows you what you look at or what you look like. When you look in the mirror of his word, he says this. This is what your heart looks like, and this is what I want it to look like. And, and we can compare to that, and we can uh, assess our heart condition. We'll talk some more about that in a little bit. And the third way that, that this word spirit is used in, in our Bible is, is in the, the, the sense of a movement. 2 Corinthians 3.6 says, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but the spirit is life. Now, this is not a capital S here. He's not saying the spirit of God is, is life. What he's saying is, if you are so legalistic, you have to follow the letter of the law, every last detail, you're going to exhaust yourself. You're going to wear yourself out. You're going to quit, right? Legalism cannot and will not legislate life, right? It, it, it will not feed your spiritual life. It'll wear you out and break you down. If you're just following legalistic standards to the letter of the law, that's when, that, that's, you, you are controlling yourself with your flesh, and your flesh is going to get what it wants eventually. You're going to have some sort of self-destruction. Life doesn't come from that type of a life. The, the point is that we, we cannot legislate spiritual life. So what is the heart of the message is, is what he's saying. Not rigid adherence to the letter of the law. The point is a changed heart, a change of heart. The message is that God wants on the inside. He doesn't want you to clean up all of the outside so it looks perfect. He wants to change your heart. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Now, again, it's not a capital S. This spirit is what the spirit functions as. This is what he's doing. He's moving. The word spirit, the, the word pneuma, it means breath or to breathe. What is the Spirit of God doing? He's breathing in your direction. He's wanting you to move in the direction that he's moving. We've talked about being full of the Spirit, being like a sail. Right? When, you, when you turn your sail in the direction the wind's blowing, it says that the sail is full. It's not that you have more wind or less wind. It means the, the, the wind is in complete control of the direction you're going. And that's how the Spirit functions in our lives, too. Ephesians 2.2 2 is an interesting verse. It says, Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the Spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We look at this verse in two different ways. First of all, we say that the Spirit is the actual Spirit being that is also called the prince of the power of the air. We could also accurately say that the Spirit is the movement 
that is also called the course of this world in this same verse. See how the, the, the commas break that apart? We've got according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Every time I've ever read, read this, I've thought spirit, well, that's the prince. Well, the spirit is also the course. It's the direction this world is moving because of the prince of the power of the air. Does that make sense? It's two different things. They're both, the, they're both tied back to the same individual, but one is the individual and the other is the work that this, this, uh, the prince of the power of the air is working. And we, in our lost state, we just followed right along with it. We had no, no idea, we had no choice. We were just following with it. So, English grammar is a wonderful thing, right? 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. He's not giving you the spirit, or the movement, or the, the thing that causes you the fear. He's not giving you the things that's going to move you away from him. He's given you power. He's given you love and a sound mind through his word. And so basically what we need to see, if we're going to be the examples for this world around us in spirit, I've got a question on here. Is the Holy Spirit in agreement with the spirit of the age that your spirit is following? Got all three of them in there. Is the Holy Spirit in agreement with the spirit of the age that your spirit is following? Because if he is, then you're on the right track. But if he's not, then you better turn around. And if you don't know, you've got to get into the book. And you've got to find out what direction am I actually heading. I was following my heart. I thought I was doing just fine. But you keep saying my heart's going to lie to me. I don't, I don't know about that. Get into the word of God. It, it will confirm that, and it will confirm what direction you ought to head, too. The second word, the second way we need to be an example is in faith. The spirit is what motivates us. Faith is what moves us. Very similar. 1 Timothy 1, 2. Uh, there's, several different, there's a couple of different ways you see faith in the, the Bible, and, and one of the main ones is the faith. Um, talking about it in a little bit different way. More like a noun. First uh, Timothy one two says, "Unto Timothy, my son, or my own son, in the faith." It's like the belief system, the church, right? You've heard of people leaving the faith. That means they've given up on God and they've walked away from what they said they believed. Okay, so that's one way that we see it. There's there's lots of different references, but I think you get the point. Um, we're gonna look at a long passage here, Hebrews eleven. Uh, if you want to turn turn there, might be better just to look at it. In your own Bible, Hebrews 11, verse 1. And this will be faith defined. And this is pretty much the, the full mention of, of faith. There's, there's a lot of details here. It's uh, sometimes called the hall of faith because there's all kinds of different individuals listed and, and how they were faithful. We'll see a few of them, and I think you'll very quickly get an understanding of, of what biblical faith is. Uh, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So faith, right off the bat, the definition we get here is faith is not what? It's not sight, right? Faith is the opposite of sight. It's, it's believing what God said is true, having not seen the, the facts behind it necessarily. 
for by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. Now this world wants to argue and say, no, 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 God didn't create the world. A big bang created the world. Okay, you have faith in that, and I have faith in God's word. Oh, no, 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 that's science. Okay, were you there when the big bang banged? No. Some man told you that's what happened, and you have faith that he's right. You believe what a man's told you. I believe what a man's told me. A man who was inspired by the word of God, by the spirit of God, to write the word of God, that's what I'm choosing to believe. You choose to believe that everything came from nothing. I choose to believe everything came from God. It's faith. Okay, so science lesson, we'll move on here. Things were made of things which do appear. We can't see who made those things. And check this out. We get into the list of these individuals. I want you to see each one of these individuals did something. Faith is not just what's on the inside. Faith moves you to action. It's, it's like love, right? If, if I say that I love you, but I've never done anything to prove it, it's just words, you're probably justified in not believing me. And that's, you're probably right. By faith, Abel, in verse 4, offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Uh, verse 5, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death, and was not found because God had translated him. God raptured him up. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Here's what he did. He pleased God. Well, what did he do? Well, the ver next verse says, it's it, without faith, it's impossible to please him. So whatever he did was pleasing to the Lord. He had faith in whatever it was that God told him to do. He did it. He believed it. It moved him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not yet or not seen as yet moved with fear prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So God said something was going to happen. His reaction was to be moved with fear and prepare an ark. He, he wouldn't have prepared the ark if he didn't what? Didn't believe what God said. His faith moved him. God said, hey, storm's coming. Build a boat. Okay, w whatever. He, if you read the, the passage, the, the, the scripture there talks of that being the first time it ever rained. It's not like, hey, you know how it rains every once in a while? It's going to rain a whole bunch. No, it's going to rain. What's that? Water from the sky. Oh, really? <laughs> Build a boat. You say so, right? The faith moved him to action. He hadn't, he hadn't seen any of that stuff yet. There was nothing visible. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by which uh, he condemned the world. And we move down to uh, verse 8. By faith Abraham, when he was called out into a place, which he should go after, receive, or he should after receive for an inher inheritance, excuse me, obeyed, and he went out. He, by faith, went out, and this is interesting, not knowing whether or whither he went. God said go. He didn't say go there. He just said go. 
So Abraham, not seeing the destination, not seeing where to turn or where to stop, he just started walking. Packed up his stuff and he went. That's pretty awesome. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city uh, which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's a pretty cool thing there. Through faith also, Sarah, so we, we, it's not just a gentleman's club here. It's not just for the fellas. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. Why? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. Because she believed God. There wasn't, there w- the, you know, you read the story, she laughed. And God says, uh, uh, don't laugh. It's going to happen. No, I'm too old. This, this is crazy. And, and God said, no, it's happening. And from that point on, she believed. And she's now listed in the, in the hall of faith. This, this chapter goes on and on and on. Faith, our example of faith is, is when what you say on the inside starts to make it to the surface for other people to say. Other people start seeing that you actually believe what you say you believe. Proverbs 20, verse 6, Most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Don't we know that's true? But a faithful man, who can find? If you have to go around telling everyone how wonderful you are, you're probably wasting energy that you could be using just showing them how wonderful you are. If you have to tell somebody how how humble you are, are you? I am the most humble guy I know, that is true. I'm really nice too. I mean, doesn't usually doesn't usually carry much weight, does it? A faithful man, he says, who can find? Why is it so hard to find a faithful man? Because it's a lack of real evidence. It's just us proclaiming that we believe, not actually showing God that we believe. So the question is, does, does what you say you believe on the inside ever reach the surface for others to see? That's how we can be an example. Don't just say that you agree with the Bible. Agree with the Bible. Live it out. Put it on display. First and foremost for God. The third thing we see here to be an example in is purity. Um, We will uh, break up into groups here in just a minute. We've got a bunch of verses in this section, uh, but we'll we'll go through these pretty quick. Impurity is is what cleanses us. And hopefully you'll see what we mean here in a minute. All throughout Exodus, the books of the law, we find God calling Moses and and the Levites to, to use pure gold to make the instruments of the the tabernacle, and some of the, the furniture. How do you know that gold is pure? There's all kinds of ways, but do you know, first and foremost, because it's gone through a process, right? It has to have gone through a process if it's going to be purified. Do you know what that process is? Most of us already know this. We, we talk about this off and on here. Fire, right? A trial by fire. It's, it's pure because it's gone through a process of purification. We see this in uh, Psalm 12, 
verse 6. It says, the words of the Lord are pure words, and it talks about silver specifically here. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So the process is you heat it up until it melts. What happens when it melts is the impurities rise to the top, just like your life. When life gets heated up, the things that you don't want anybody else to see, those come to the surface, and you embarrass yourself. Ever been there? Maybe just me, me and Vin. So you ever say something you didn't mean to say, but it was in your heart and you said it, right? God knows how that works. He, he says, I want to get that garbage to the top so I can skim it off. And what happens is he, he does that over and over and over until the impurities are gone, until he can see his image in you, right? That's how he knows it's purified, because when he looks at you, he doesn't see you anymore. He's removed you, and it's just him that's remaining. It's, it's an awesome picture. So how are we to, pure, to be pure? We're, we need to allow God to put us through the furnace of life. How many of you want to sign up for that? No. No way. I don't, I don't want to have trials and difficulties that bring out my impurities for other people to see and for me to be embarrassed. But God, that's just part of the process that he uses. So when we resist, we harden our hearts with the impurities still inside. We step back from the fire. We fight the, the trials. We avoid them at all costs. And we just stay us. If, if you know anything about the, the metallurgy process, Zach does. He watches YouTube videos on this stuff. <laughs> if, if you harden the metal without removing the impurities, what happens? Well, it's a lot of times it's just, it becomes more hardened. There's a difference, there's a, there's a massive difference in metallurgy. This would be my um, engineering nerd side, engineer side coming out. In metallurgy, if you harden something, it's totally different than if you strengthen something or toughen something. There's two different, very different worlds there. Hardness is normally brittle. It can be really, really, really hard, and it'll shatter. There's, there's several proverbs that talk about the, the prideful man or the fool hardening his neck before God, and what's going to happen? God's going to break him, and he's going to shatter, and he's going to be useless. What God wants to do is remove that stuff. If you cool down too fast, if you quench too quickly, those things cause hardness. God has a process, and God knows exactly what you need, and he needs you to go through the whole process so that you can be on the other side what he's intending for you to be. Pure gold can be shaped and formed. With impurities, it's more likely to break. It's, it's malleable is, is the word that I can hardly say. Right? It, it can be flattened, it can be formed, it can be shaped around things that God wants it to be shaped around. He can do that in our lives, or... We can have all kinds of impurities in our life still. And when he tries to, to use us in a certain way, we just, we just break and, and it's useless. There's some really cool pictures there. 1 John 3, 1 through 3 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear... We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, 
even as he is pure. Right? This is a, mature, a maturation process. This is the process of growing up spiritually. The process of him removing you is the maturity process. And one other thing that it is, is it's a heart issue. Psalm 24, 4, it says, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not defiled, excuse me, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Proverbs 20, verse 9, Who can say, I have made my heart clean? I am pure from my sin. You can't do it yourself. God has to do it. He has to forgive you in the first place, and then he works on removing that stuff the rest of your life. This is a process. Um, Proverbs 30, verse 12. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, and yet is not washed from their filthiness. And he's not talking about you needing a bath. He's talking about our sinful condition. 1 Timothy 1.5, Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart and of a good conscience and of faith unfeigned. Faith unfeigned is it's not fake. It's the real deal. 2 Timothy 2.22, Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. And James 3.17 says, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Purity is, is an issue of integrity. It's what you're willing to stand for when everyone's looking and what you're willing to compromise when no one's looking. That's what purity is. That's what integrity is. And sometimes it's just a matter of growing up. I think it's 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul says, when I was, you know, I was a young man, I did young man things, but became a man and I put away that foolishness. I put it away. It's part of growing up. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get, go back to the letter of the law and, and here's all the things I've got to keep and I just can't be impure in any of those. No, he wants you to grow up and choose because he's changed your heart on the inside so that the outside looks the same as what's on the inside. Don't clean up the outside without the, the inside. Let, let God change the inside first. Allow him to humble you. Allow him to embarrass you. Allow him to put you into the furnace. Allow him to, to put you in situations where you're going to do something that you have to go apologize for. Because you didn't realize that was in there. And he wants to remove it. Let him remove it. The question on your sheet is, are you willing to be honest about the real you so that God can change your heart? If, if you're only worried about what I think of you, it's not going to get you very far. Number one, I'm kind of selfish. And I don't really care if you're that spiritual. Because I'm only worried about me. Right? What, what somebody else thinks of you isn't going to mean anything about what God thinks of you. He doesn't filter you through everybody else's eyes first. 
He sees your heart. What is our heart bringing to the surface for other people to see? What's in there? So we've, we've looked these last couple of weeks at these six areas that we should be examples. Um, I do have some discussion questions. We'll break up into groups and uh, talk through these things. I do want to pray real quick uh, before we do that, and then uh, we'll just go ahead and split up. Lord, thank you again uh, for your word. Thank you for, for just giving us specifics of, of how we should be examples, and, and it, it really is an issue of, of what we believe, and uh, just pray that you help us to adjust our eyes and our focus and our, our intentions uh, to match your word, and uh, we do want to be the, the examples that uh, most glorify you. And so help us, uh, as life does put us in the furnace and the trials and all of those things, help us to uh, have the patience to let you do the work that you've promised that you're going to keep working until we're finished, until you take us home, Lord. Uh, we do pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.